Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf mem tes. Um, um, today's shiz le'ilu nishmas Gershom Moshe ben Meya, Dov Nota ben Chaim Shmuel, and Chaim Morachai ben Yosef, and Tzipora Bashmuel. May the neshamas have an aliyah and may their memory be a blessing. Um, yeah, we we disc- we were discussing in the Mishnah Nisur Chamaim the mitzvah of pouring of the water libation, pouring water on the mizbech as part of a korban. As we said, generally that is forbidden, but it's a special mitzvah halacha Moshe Misinai from um, um, to pour on sukkahs that we pour water on the mizbech with the wine libation of the morning offer of the daily morning offering, the korban tomit. And then we mentioned that I mean follows from this that Tonu. Um, that a tziduki would not want to do this. Because remember, tziduki, they, never mind, they opposed, but they were against poor, they were against uh, chazal, and they didn't follow our oral traditions, and therefore nisuch which is not mentioned anywhere in the chumash. We might in Gomorrah time, when we get to Tanis, we'll see an allusion to it, if I remember correctly, it's Tanis or Rosh Hashanah, but I think it's Tanis, we'll get to an allusion to it that's found, but it's not, uh, but it's not clear in the Torah. So one, so they made a zayra that when doing nisuch hamayim, he has to hold up his arm, his hand, so that when he pours it, you can see that he's pouring it into the bowl on the mizbech. Because once there was a tzeduki, he poured it on his foot, and he, um, and uh, and the Jews there poured, um, and the Jews, sorry. Yeah, and the Jews there poured the water on their, uh, sorry, the Jews there stoned him with their esrogs. So it was very unpleasant. So Chazal made that institution so that no tzuduki would come up with that. And very interestingly, I was thinking about it. Because if you, and it actually came up in another Gemara I was learning. But we often find these tzidukim getting involved in the Beis HaMikdash. And it turned out at the time of the Second Temple, especially around the time of King Yanai, um, who was one of the Chashmonaim, Again, remember the Chashmonaim were the Kohanim, the Maccabees, who took the Kahuna and the kingship for themselves. They actually criticized for why they took the kingship, but they did both. And especially towards, they turned very evil. They were influenced by the Greeks. And they were forerunners and for the Tzidukim. And therefore, at this time, in the Second Temple, certain times, the Tzidukim were actually a very powerful, very prevalent sect in Jewish society. Um... To the degree that when you see historically it's discussed, there were the Perushim. I think they translate them as the Pharisees, but the Perushim, those who were separate from this world, the, that was Chazal and our Masorah. And then on the other side, there were Tzidukim and maybe a few other sects. But they were, like, you know, kind of nowadays, if someone would write a history about the Jewish people, they would discuss the Reformed Jews and Orthodox Jews and these Jews. So, so too, they, they were very prominent. And we had to be, and that's why we often notice um, arguments between the tzidukim. They, um, I don't know, what, I forgot the word. They they rose up in the ranks in Jewish society. There were kohanim gedolim who were tzidukim, etc. And we know Shimon. It says, "Altamin Don't believe in yourself until the day you die, because Yochanan Kohen Gadol was the Kohen Gadol for eighty years, and towards the end he changed to be a tzidukim. So again, they were very prevalent. They were involved in all sections of Jewish life. Um, and there was a lot of conflict between them and Bnei Israel. And it seems that's what happened here. When the Jews, the traditional Jews, had come to the base of Midash and they saw the Siduki mess up the avoid of Nisuch they stoned him with water. Just another interesting point I was thinking of. Maybe we'll discuss it a bit more. But I was thinking, you know, certain Masechtas kind of 
have a theme, and it's a it's an interesting point that's a running through theme. Like I was just thinking, Eruvin is mitzvahs derabonon. The whole of Eruvin, the concept of an Eruv is mitzvah derabonon, and you'll notice throughout the Masech that discusses Elu Elu Divrei Elokim Chaim. How can you have Chazal where one rabbi comes and learns and says the halacha is why, you know, like we've, and the other rabbi comes, you know, by Shammai and by Hillel arguing, and later on it mentions certain powers of Chazal, etc. So Eruvin could be Chazal. I was thinking Sukkah could be um, the oral Torah. Maybe even to a degree, halacha moshem Sinai. If you think right back to the beginning, we discuss what's considered a wall. And we discuss, we have all these interesting concepts. Good asik, you know, that as soon as the wall's tent for him high, you view it as going all the way to the roof. That lovud, that as soon as something's um, within three tvochim, you consider it joint. Um, all of this, nisu chamayim, the arova ceremony, there's so many things that are built on our oral tradition. The Rambam points out, he says, remember we had that machloikas, what's an esrog? Because the, the Torah says, Priyaitara, a beautiful fruit. Well, I saw the most beautiful apple the other day. Can I use that for my lulav? It would save me a few hundred rand also. Um, and it's Priyaitara, it's a beautiful fruit. So the Gemara goes through how you can work out from the Psukim that it's Priyaitara. But the Rambam, I mentioned it at the time, the Rambam points out that Priyaits, that, that really everyone knows what a Priyaitara is referring to an Esrog. Because that we know going back from Moshe Rabbeinu and Yoshua. However, they just want to try find and show us the source for it in the Chumash, that it is alluded to in the Chumash. But again, so we see from beginning to end, Sukkah has this theme of Halacha Moshe Misinai, our oral tradition going back to Mount Sinai. So that, I thought, was an interesting observation. I just thought about it last night. I mean, obviously, we kind of noticed it along the way, but I just thought about it. That's the underlying thing behind all these mitzvahs of, of Purim, of, of, of Sukkos, are tied extra strong to our oral tradition. There are many mitzvahs, obviously, for interpretation of the psukim and the droshes, etc. But these are ones that uh, are very clearly and very distinctly, if not for our oral tradition, they don't exist. You know, some mitzvahs might exist slightly differently without our oral tradition, but these mitzvahs don't exist without our oral tradition um, and the Torah Shabal Peh. Okay, so that was just something I was thinking about. Now, Torah, third last line of Mem Ches Amud Beis, 48b. This There was this case where Tzidduki poured the water libation onto his feet. And everyone stoned them with esrogs. And actually, the corner of the Mizbeach got damaged. The Hevil Bull Shell Melach, they bought a, a, what, a fistful of salt, and they closed up the damage in the base of Migdash. Um, so, very, so, so that's what happened. Interestingly enough, what an Esrog's. Now, there's a pro- first thing, the Mizbach becomes possible if it's not a perfect square. The Gemara is going to emphasize this shortly, but the Mizbach is possible if it's not a perfect square. So, therefore, as soon as you've got this cl- uh, corner, this chip in the Mizbach, it's possible. Now, Rashi says a very interesting thing. What did, what did the Brises say? What did they stone the Tziduki with? Esrogaim, the Esrogs. If you look at Rashi, it's the second last line on the page towards the end. It says, Nifkam or Kerenam Mizbach. The corner of the Mizbach got damaged. Al yedei avonim shezor Through the stones which they threw. Rashi's changing it from esrogs to stones that they threw at this tziduki. 
And the obvious question is, why is Rashi changing it? So one answer you could give is maybe, this is a bit deeper level. We're trying to be Madaik. What's Rashi coming to teach by changing it from Esrog to, to stones? So one answer could be, it's a different text. Maybe al says um, Esrog, but the manuscript that Rashi had said stones. That's one answer. But another answer could be that no. How's the Mizbeach going to get damaged from an Esrog? The Mizbeach was made out of, uh, I don't want to say concrete, but a lime and stone mixture. It's not going to get damaged by Esrog. So Rashi's coming to answer that question. He says, you know, most Jews threw Esrogim. They were kind and compassionate. But a few Jews, you know, uh, took, took things to the next level. Like you always know when you, get a, when you get a crowd riled up, there's always going to be someone who takes things that next step. So a few of the Jews actually took stones and they were throwing stones. And that also answers another question we, we touched on. It's a machlokes. Did they kill the Tzidduki or did they just... Uh, injure him. But one opinion says injure, uh, kill. And that would make a lot more sense if you learn like Rashi that it was stone. So it seems that most people threw Esrogim and that was the general trend. But there might have been a few people who threw, who actually threw stones. Now the says why as I'm if you, how does it help to block it up with stones? Love me nature, who shall I avoid it? Not that now you can use the Mizbech. Again, you can't use the Mizbech if it's chipped. I'm not going to go into the technical details of how much has to be chipped or what part, but you can't use the Mizbeach if it's chipped. And putting salt there doesn't fix it. Salt doesn't count as part of the Mizbeach. So he says, no, Ela Sheyira Mizbeach Pogum. It's so that the Mizbeach doesn't look, look damaged. And he says it's disrespectful to see the Mizbeach with the hole. So they put the salt to fill up the hole, the chip, the dent, and that... Um, um, and that was, again, not to make the Mizbech valid. The salt doesn't count as part of the Mizbech, but it looks nice. When all the Jews there were Phileas Regal, it was, the Mizbech didn't stand there all forlorn. Any Mizbech that doesn't have a ramp, the horns on the corners, a base, or is not square, is invalid for avoider. And Rabbi Yossi Bar Yehuda, Omer Afasoyvev, and Rabbi Yossi Bar Yehuda says also the ledge. Um, remember, we know the Mizbech started, it went an Amaha and then an Amma in. That was the base. Interest that the base didn't extend all the way around the Mizbech. Then you'd go up, I think it was another four or five Ammas, and it went in another Amma. That's the ledge, and Kohanim could walk on it. And then it went up higher till the top on the Mizbech, and then on each of the corners was a, what's called a Karen. A protrusion, a horn. So that's the mizbech. Those all, it all had to be the mizbech had to be squared. Had to have those, otherwise it's invalid. That's what um, Rashi and Tosos are going into that discussion. But let's carry on. So Omar Rabbarchan, Omar Oh, now we're going back to the shisim. We said Amishda mentioned that they would pour the wine into these two bowls on top of the mizbech, the one for wine and one for the water libation, and they would flow down. Again, according to Rashi, it seems a little bit along the Mizbech and then into the holes that go down into the ground. Or according to Tosis, it seems straight into these holes, into the ground, these pipes. And they go deep into the ground. They were called Shisin. So now we're going to discuss these Shisin. So, Omar Nivru. The Shisin were created with creation. From the beginning of creation. Shinemar, as it says, The hidden part of your thighs is like and it's like links in a chain. omon, the work of an expert, an expert craftsman. Chamuke yorchayich. What does chamuke yorchayich mean? Elu ashisim 
that refers to these shisim, these uh, holes that go deep down into the earth. Kamoy chaloim, like um, like links in a chain. Shemachoylin v'yordim adatohom, because they are hollow and they extend deep down into the depths of the earth. Masi day omon. What does it mean? The work of an expert craftsman. Zemasi day umnoso shel akadosh baruchu. It was the special skill that Hashem did that He implanted that He that He made here. We'll discuss a bit later what that special, what was so special about these shisim, these uh, holes, these chaloim going deep down into the ground. It says Tana Devei Bishmol taught Bereshis. I'll take Bereshis. Don't read it. This first word of the Chumash. Don't read it as Bereshis. Elo Boroshis. Hashem created the shis, these holes. And Tanya Rebiosi Oimer Rebiosi says Shisim Mechaylin V'Yardin Atohom. The shisim extend deep down into the ground. Into the depths, um, I will sing on behalf of my beloved Shira Doidi Le Karmi, a song of my beloved for his vineyard. Kerem my beloved had a vineyard, but Karen Ben Shomain, it was a very fertile vineyard. He dug it and he cleared it of stones and he planted these. Good quality shoots in it. By even Migdal Basoicho, he built a tower in it. Begam Yakov Bo, and he dug out a vat. It seems in the bottom of the tower. Now we're just going to explain some of these terms in the pasuk. So what's the Yitu Surak referring to? Zu Beis He planted the shoots. That's the Beis Amidash. The Beis Amidash is the source of us of this. Of we can say maybe phrase it as the Beis Amidash is the source of. The spirituality in this world. It's where heaven, uh, the famous thing is where heaven and earth meet. And uh, the Beis Amigdash is the center of Jewish religious life. At least it represents that. So that's the Beis Amigdash is these shorak, these good quality roots he built. By even Migdal Basocha, and he built a tower in it, Zemizbach. That's referring to the Mizbach. The Gam Yokov Chotzav Bo. And he dug out a vat in it, Elu Shisin. That's referring to the Shisin. So look, it's very hard to understand. And what on the surface? What's the significance of these shisim? We seem to say they were it's an essential part of Bereshis. I mean, there are lots of words. Bishvil, we say the other midrashim that say what Bereshis is an is a word. You say Bishvil Reishis, which is alluding to Torah. Bishvil Reishis, which is referring to Bikurim. It's, it's referring to these deep concepts. And here we're saying Bishvil and Bereshis is referring to Hashem creating the shisim, these holes deep down into the ground. What's the significance of them? So I saw article bring a beautiful idea. Um, I know my father has the, from the Or Gedalia. That's the Rav Gedalia Shor. Um, I know my father has the Sefer, but I was, I'm, I'm, I'm going there today. I'll look it up and see. But article basically says, says, we know that the earth to create man, we know it says in Chumash that Hashem took earth to create man, and he took the earth from the Mizbeach, from, from the ground where the Mizbeach is. That's where man's Created. It says from the place that he is created, there he can reach atonement. And that's where he can reach his perfection, by the Mizbeach. And the, the hole left is the Shisin. The hole left in the ground where Hashem took to create man is the Shisin. And Rav Gadali Ashur explains what does this hole represent? It represents the space in this world. Everything else is totally up to Hashem, except the space for man to have free will, for man to choose to do good or bad. That's what this whole, that's what these shisin represent. And therefore, that's the ultimate purpose of creation. The rest of creation, to a degree, is kind of like robots. Hashem created, there's all these robots that do Hashem's mission. 
But man, the, and that's the ultimate praise of man, man can choose whether to serve Hashem or not. Someone who has to, you know, the, the person who's coming to you for a promotion or trying to get a job with you and he gives you a compliment, it's nice, but it's not the same degree as someone who totally has a choice and they choose to compliment and praise you. And that's what, and that's what man, when he serves Hashem with his free will, He's choosing to praise Hashem, which is the greatest um, praise um, Hashem can, that, uh, that Hashem can receive, much greater degree than the rest of creation, which is splendorous as it is. And so you look in creation and you see how wondrous Hashem is. That's not a touch on the praise that man can give by choosing to acknowledge and praise Hashem. And that's what, so that, that's, I mean, but that all stems from his free will, which is kind of a gap outside because, you know, I mean, at least from our perspective, it's totally dis- it's distinct it's from Hashem. It's our choice to do good or bad, not governed by Hashem. So that's this whole, that's this shissim, where Hashem took the afar and he left room for man's free choice. And now, um, so that's, uh, that's his explanation of the significance of the shissim. Obviously, I'm sure there's a lot more and a lot deeper ideas to go into. But it also follows on very interestingly with the metaphor that we're using for it from Yeshayahu. Because... Um, Yeshaya Hanovi goes on to explain how he drew he, he planted a vineyard and what Hashem wanted was the produce the wine of that vineyard the beautiful quality grapes from Bnei Israel's Masim Toivim Mitzvahs and Torah the good deeds that Torah and the Mitzvahs that Bnei Israel do to fill that vat he wants our free will our opportunity in this life to be filled with these delicious um, good quality vineyard and grapes he took Shurak good quality shoots and to, hoping that to produce and Yeshaya goes on to criticize the Jews for producing sour sour unpleasant grapes and filling their vats filling this empty space under the Bizbah where they could fill it with all Torah and Mitzvahs and good deeds they fill it with uh, ruined um, grapes okay so that's something um, a nice I thought quite a beautiful idea um, telling us some of the significance of the shisim of these deep tunnels that go into the ground. Now, this up to here, we've taken for granted that there were these shisim. Now we're going to see a different opinion. Tanya, said, There was a small room, a small gap between um, the Mizbech and the ramp. The Marova shall keves towards the west of the Mizbech. And once every 70 years, they would lower a young kohen, a smaller kohen, into it. And he would collect all the congealed wine. It was like fig cakes. If you take uh, figs and press them together and make a cake out of and make a, a, a cake out of like a a clump of cake. That's how the wine was. It had congealed over the years. And they would burn it in a holy place. Uh, so that's, there weren't these shisim that the wine just flowed down into. Nope. It was, there was a chamber under the Mizbeh where the wine collected from all the libations. Remember, wine and companies, just, if not every, just about every single korban. So they were pouring in lots and lots of wine. Um, and over the years, it collected, it congealed, and they would take it out and burn it. Now the Gomorrah is going to bring Shenemar. Where do we get this from? Shenemar is the Apostle. says, In the holy, you will offer this one libation to Hashem. Now, just as you have to do the Nisuch in 
the holy I on the Mizbech in the Beis Hamidash. So too you have to burn it in the holy. You can't take it outside of Yerushalayim and burn it. You have to burn it in the holy. Now obviously it doesn't make sense to Joshua Wilmot. What the Pasuk says... Burn you in the holy, you do Nisukhamayim, and they say, Oh, we see, also have to burn it. So the Gemara is going to explain that now. But just before there, Rashi says, We take for granted that you have to remove the congealed wine, because otherwise it's going to clog up and overflow onto the Mizbah. So you have to remove it once in a while. Um, the question is, when would you, where would you burn them? Like, what's their level of Kedusha? And that's what he's coming to explain. No, you burn it in the holy. Um, uh, you have to burn it in the Azorah somewhere. It says, now my mashma, how do we see this from the Joshua? So, Amar Avina, I say Kodesh, Kodesh. We make a connection between Kodesh and Kodesh. It says here that you will pour it, do the wine abation in the holy. And it's written over there, you will burn the noisa, the leftover korbans in fire. You're not allowed to eat them. Because they are holy. And by Noisar, we know you burn it in the Azorah. In the same level of Kedush, you burn it. So, so too with the wine libations, you burn it in the Azorah. Now, command Oslo, Hodotonu, Detanan, who does the following Mishnah fit in with? It says, The Nesachim, at first, if you get benefit from them, you transgress Me'ila. Once they've gone into the Shisin, there is no Me'ila. Once they've gone down into these chambers, either deep into the ground or into the hole in the, the cavity in the Mizbech. That's what we're going to debate, which one it is. There's no further Me'ila. Interesting, because remember Me'ila is when something's going to be used in temple service, like this wine that's going to be poured on the Mizbech. If you get benefit from it, you transgress Me'ila, misappropriation. Once it's been used, there's no misappropriation. It says, Nalema Rebeloso Baratzoroki. It must be Rebeloso Baratzorok. It can't be Rabbonin because once the water's poured, it's gone down into the depths of the earth. We don't need to discuss Me'ila on something that you can't reach. It says, no, I feel but the Iklit. No, it could be the Rabbonin, and it's a case where you caught some of the wine. I, they explain, you like suspended a vessel and you, into the Shisin, and you poured some wine in the base, into the Mizbah, and then it Nesochim, uh, and then it flowed down and got trapped in this. Bowl. So there is a chance to transgress Me'ila with it. Ikat to Omri, another version, says, no, maybe it specifically fits in with the Rabbonin. Because if you go like that, it's generally the wine libations fall into the depths of the world. So if you caught some of that wine and got benefit from it, there's no Me'ila. Because if you're going to say it's Rebilozor Baratzadok, well, it's still Kodosh. How do we know it's still Kodosh according to Rebilozor Baratzadok? Because he says, yeah, take that congealed wine and burn it. So it's still Kodosh. If you have to burn it in the Kodesh, it's still Kodosh. No, you could even say it's Rabbi Elazo because we have a principle. There's nothing that once you've done the mitzvah with it that there is still me'ila on a Doraisa level at least. Okay, so you could learn that piece like either opinion. Again, the two opinions we're trying to compare is Rabbi Elazo Batsodok who says that there was a basically a chamber in the Mizbah that all the wine collected, and the other opinions that it went into the shisin, into these um, holes deep, that go deep down into the earth. So 
Reish Lokish says at the time when they would pour the nisuch, they would pour the wine onto the Mizbah, they would block up the Shisim to fulfill what it says. You pour in the holy, you will do the libation, Sheikhar la Hashem. What does, um, so they would block, um, so he says, my mashma, how's that implied? It says, Omer Apopo, Sheikhar Loshan, Shtia Loshan, Svia Loshan, Shachros. Sheikhar, the word Sheikhar has three connotations drinking something, being satiated from it, and uh, Shachros uh, sh- getting drunk. Now, Omer um so, so what he's saying, you block up, Rashi explains, you block up the shisin so that the wine, when you're pouring it, it like fills up where you're pouring it and it looks like a throat full of wine. And that's, uh, that's which is, and the Mizbeth is satiated from the wine libations. It looks, it, it, it has a good impression. It says, Omar Av Papa, Sheikh, I'm sorry, says now, Omar Av Papa, Shmaminaki, Shava Inish Khamra, Migroina Shava. We see here that the way the person reaches satiation from wine is through his throat. And what does that mean? Generally, when do you get full from food? Well, it depends how much you eat. If you've eaten a lot, you get full. If you eat a little, you're not full. But with wine, it seems more in the way you drink. If you drink that, you gulp it down your throat. Okay, we're not saying too much. We're just saying the style you're drinking. As opposed to sipping little bits, you gulp it. That's when you'll feel satiated from the wine. But if you just sip it, you're not going to feel satiated. And we see that from this. By the Mizbech, you want it to look like the Mizbech has a huge mouthful full of wine that it's kind of filling up. A young yeshiva scholar who doesn't have money, doesn't have a lot of wine, he should gulp his wine. He'll get the most, even though he's finishing it quicker, he'll get the most hanor, most enjoyment from it. And Rava would gulp the wine for a, on kosher brocha. When he did a mitzvah of a cup of wine, he would gulp it so that he enjoys it the most. Interesting enough, we see, a, let's call it a hidur, one of the ways of enjoying, of of giving glory to the mitzvah is doing it in a way that you enjoy most. Like when you drink the cup of wine, as opposed to doing it sip by sip, which doesn't give you the most satiation, you gulp it. I don't know if contemporary wine uh, connoisseurs would agree with that, that you gulp your wine down. Um, we, we always see, you know, they swirl it in their glass and then smell it and then sip it little by little. So I'll, uh, we can find out whether they still hold by this principle of trying gulping some down to get the real uh, enjoyment of it. Um, but that's that's at least how the Gomorrah held. Okay. Now up above we brought a posuk from Shira Shirim. We're now going to give another drosha on that posuk. So that's why the next piece is brought here. Dorash Rava. Rava expounded. My disciple, what does the posuk mean when it says, How beautiful are your steps in your shoes. Bas Nadiv. Um, either... The one who is generous, or the or the daughter of the nobles, it says my yofu pamosai. When it says how beautiful are your steps, shall Yisrael b'shasha oil regal. That's referring to Ben Yisrael who got up to the regal. Bas nadiv, daughter of the noble, or of generous spirits, says bito shall Avram avinu shinikra nadiv. That's the daughter of Avram avinu who was. I'm sorry, we're saying that Ben Yisrael are the. Descendants, the daughters of Avram Avin, who is called the Nadiv. Shenemar, as it says, Nadive Amim, the noble one of, sorry, Nadive, the one of the noble heart, I Avram Havinu, 
Amim Nesfu, Im Elokei Avraham, gathered nations with the God of Avram. You're telling me, Elokei Avram, Elokei Elokei Yitzhak, Yaakov, you're telling me that Hashem is Avram's God, but not Yitzhak and Yaakov. No, Elokei Avraham, the God of Avram, Shehoyot Chilelegeirim, was the first one to get converts. Avram Rashi explains, um, Avraham was Nadiv, he was generous and committed in his heart, he gave his heart to recognize his creator. I mean, this fits in well with the Midrash that says, you know, when Avram was three years old, some say it was Zemachloikas, was he three or was he 40? But when Avram was very, was, he was looking to see the, and understand the world and he worked out that there must be a creator. He gave his heart to understand his creator and he took it to the next step is that he gave his heart to convert people, to help everyone recognize the creator. That's what converting, that's what uh, Avram's conversion was, getting people. So when B'nai Yisrael give up themselves and walk up to Yerushalayim in taking the time and the effort and the money to go up to Yerushalayim for the Shalosh Rakalim, we see in it an allusion to this, uh, it's an allusion to this, I guess, self-sacrifice, this commitment to bring glory and splendor to Hashem. Tana Devei Rav Anan, we learn in the yeshiva of Rav Anan, they learn, might you see, what does the posuk mean? It's Chamukei um, Yorochayich, the roundness of your thighs. Why are the words of Torah compared to a thigh? Um, if you see from the rest of the Pasuk, it implies, um, where was it? Your Rashi points out, um, yeah, I can't find him, but the rest of the Pasuk implies, it says, uh, sorry, I'll, yeah, I've got it here, one second. Um, how beautiful your steps um, one who has round um, well, we're learning that we tra- the simple translation would be round bars but obviously that's allusion to something like precious stones the work of an expert so why are so the, these precious stones are an allusion to the luchos so that's what, um, so the divrei, so it's referring to divrei Torah like that. It says, so why divrei Torah compared to that? No, kiyerech like that. Loi malachom ma yerech b'seiser. Just as thighs are always hidden, after divrei Torah b'seiser, so to the words of Torah should be, are hidden. Um, or should be given over in secret. Behind it, Amr Lazar, my dear Siv, and this is what Rebbe Lazar says, what does it mean that it's written? We should tell a person the good way and what does Hashem want from you? To do what is just, to love kindness, and to go modest, I'll translate it as and go modestly in the ways of Hashem, with Hashem. It says, when it says to act with justice, that's to judge properly. That's referred to doing loving kindness. What does it mean going privately with Hashem, your God? This is when you take a mace to be buried or you bring a color to her chupa. I, when it says, Go modestly with Hashem your God. That's referring to these mitzvahs of, of eulogizing, taking a, a funeral, and um, taking and a wedding. Now he says, If these things which are generally done in public, everyone knows about a wedding, everyone knows about a funeral. So they're very publicized events. The Torah says, Still do it modestly. 
things that are normally done more secretly, how much more so? Just a few points on this. So what are we saying in other words? That Torah, Rashi highlights, but Torah shouldn't be taught in a public place. It shouldn't be taught in the middle of a marketplace. I was thinking about it because on the one hand, we see this huge mitzvah of Harbatz's Torah, spreading Torah, and getting Torah as far as you can. But it still seems as an appropriate way to do that. And to do it like in the public marketplace, to give a shear in the middle of the shuk, is not an appropriate place for... Uh, for Torah. Torah should be done in private. I was thinking in a base medrash. Even if the base medrash has a few thousand people, at least it's still inside in a base medrash. But I'm not, in my mind, it's hard to resolve the two. The publicized Torah, spread Torah as much as you can. On the other hand, do it in private, it sounds. But again, I think that would be the, at least one level of the explanation is where you're doing it. Is it an appropriate place to spread Torah? And then, um, and we compare that to mitzvahs. They're mitzvahs that are very public. And the Torah still says, Do Act with tzniyos. Do it modestly. And uh, that's referring to these mitzvahs like a funeral and a wedding, which are a very publicized event. You should still tone them down. I mean, interesting, this might be musar for us that we had to take from the last pandemic. But, you know, weddings and functions and celebrations were as extravagant as people could do. says, no, tone them down. Don't make them as... Do it modestly. Um, And obviously with mitzvahs that don't require... Now, there are a few interesting ideas on this. Firstly, we always translate hatsnei and sneos as modesty. The modern connotation of that is specifically how you dress. Interesting, if you know, the Maral has a sporim where he discusses different midos. And one of his midos is called nesiv hatsneos. And their majority of it is to do with speech. Very, very little to, to do with how you dress. So this that we translate smios um, as modesty and specifically into how you dress. Are you covering enough of your body, etc. Or your clothes you know, too tight to baggy, all that discussion. That's a mis, uh, misrepresentation of the concept of smios. Smios is a way of being that a person is more private. He doesn't publicize every time he does a mitzvah. He does it privately and secretly. He goes along with Hashem, not letting the whole world, you know, not telling the whole world about it. And by Torah, we actually see this highlighted. Because if you think about it, the first luchos were given with such a, such a celebration. There was lightning. There was the huge noise. There was the roar. All the nation, the whole world trembled. You know, the, you, the description of Matan Torah. A phenomenal, phenomenal event. And what happened? The luchas had to be broken. It just caused destruction. And the second ones were given in modesty. You know, Moshe went up to Daven for forgiveness. I don't even know. Most, many people, you ask them, when were the second luchas given? What day? Or when did Moshe come down with the second luchas? No one even knows. It is Yom Kippur, so you have the answer now. But you forget that because it was given Bitsniya. It wasn't this whole public, extravagant... Um, sound and light show with the first luchos. And we, so, so we see that uh, this, this concept of modesty, sometimes doing thing in a private way, is a much better... Is Go with Hashem in uh, private, privately. And just another piece of Musa from that is sometimes we get very proud of a certain mitzvah that we do well. That's, um, in a way, that's a little bit of... And you want to tell people about it. You want to... You want to wear it a badge of honor, this mitzvah that you do well. Sometimes it's better to keep it, uh, um, what's it, uh, keep it uh, undercover, 
keep it concealed, keep it secret. Obviously, there's a time and place to motivate people, to encourage people by letting them know what you do, but you've got to find the balance as we see. Okay, now we're going to move on to discuss the malas of Tzedakah and Chesed. So, Amr Eblazogaro, Great is someone who gives Tzedakah more than offering all the sacrifices. Shenemar, as the Posuk says, Doing Tzedakah and Mishpat is preferred, is chosen to Hashem over the Mizbeach. For Amar Rebilozo, Gedoyle Gemilos Chasorim, Yosem in Astoka. Gemilos Chasorim, acts of kindness is greater than Tzedakah. Shenemar, as the Posuk says, Ziru lochem litzdokah vekitru lefi chesed. Sow for yourself with Tzedakah, but harvest for yourself through chesed. Now, im Adam Zoraya, Sofek Oichel, Sofek Eino Oichel. If a person is sowing, you know, it's actually a doubt whether you'll end up eating or not. Maybe your plants will grow. Maybe they won't grow. Maybe there'll be no rain. Dennis, you can uh, tell us more about this. But it's, sowing is not a guarantee that you're going to end up with food. It says, however, koitzer vara oichel. When you're harvesting, you definitely have food. And the one explanation is when you give tzedakah, you actually don't know that it's going to a worthwhile cause. I mean, this is a very simple explanation of this. But when you give tzedakah, you don't know that it's going to a worthwhile cause. When you do chesed, I mean, maybe it's going to fund someone's bad habits. Maybe it's going to someone who isn't poor. They're just taking the easy way out, you know. So it's not necessarily going to a worthwhile, a worthy cause or a worthwhile cause. However, when you give, do chesed, well, the chesed is done. You've helped someone. You've been kind to someone. It says, however, the Omer Tzedakah is valued, paid back based on the chesed included it. Shenemar, as it says, chesed. You'll sow for yourself tzedakah, but you'll only harvest based on the chesed. What is um, what is the chesed in tzedakah? So Rashi says it's the Torah that you put into the chesed. For example, instead of just telephoning the poor person to come to you or, so, or waiting for him, you go to his house and give it to him. You put in more thought, more energy into the mitzvah, that's adding chesed. He says, um, if you see that market prices are very expensive, buy him the food. Or if you see it's very cheap, rather give him the money. You know, think about it. Do the tzedakah with wisdom. And that's how Rashi explains this concept of doing tzedakah with chesed. In three aspects, gemilus chasorim, doing loving kindness and kind deeds, kindness to other people is greater than tzedakah. is only with your money. Gemilos chasorim, kindness, that's with your body, all your money. If you think about it, it the only way to do tzedakah is someone who's lacking, as we'll see the next one, and to give them the money, give them the food. However, you can help someone with your body. You can carry something for them. You can do something for them. You can speak. You can say nice words, encouraging words to someone, and that's a huge chesed. You can give a eulogy. Um, all these, uh, what's it? Uh, How do you fulfill the mitzvah of uh, celebrating with a kala? Is to speak, say words that are endear her to her husband. So you can do chesed with your body, your words, all these different ways. But tzedakah only with money. Tzedakah can only be done to a poor person. Tzedakah is filling a lacking. Someone needs something and you give it to them. Whereas chesed is to poor people and rich people. Sometimes a rich person needs help. He needs encouragement. He needs you to help him, I don't know, build his sukkah. You, need, you know, you can help. You can be kind to a wealthy person as well. Tzedakah can only be done for the living. 
Whereas Gemilos Chasorim, you can even do kindness for the Mesim. I help bury them, etc., eulogize them, etc. For Amar Mishpat, anyone who does Tzedakah and Mishpat. It sounds like two separate things, but I saw that there is an opinion that learns it means Tzedakah in the correct way. So, if you do Tzedakah or Mishpat, it's as if you filled the whole world with Chesed. One who does Tzedakah or Mishpat, Hashem's kindness fills the world. Kindness fills the world. Shem Toimer Kolabolik for its causes. Oh, maybe you'll say anyone can reach us there. Oh, I want to be one of these people who causes kindness to fill the whole world. I'm going to jump and do Tzedakah. Tamud Lama, Mayoko Chasatecho Elokim. How precious is your Chesed Hashem? Oh, so it's not so straightforward. You won't necessarily, even if you put in it, you just want to do this mitzvah of Tzedakah to fill the whole world with Chesed, you're not necessarily going to manage. It says, Oh, Yore Shemaim can. Oh, maybe even. God-fearing people will try to do this and they won't succeed. The kindness of Hashem is infinite for those who fear Him. Any person who has grace, you can be sure that He is Yorei Shomayim. Shinemar is the of The grace of Hashem is infinitely on those who fear him. For Omer Ibelazar, my dear Sif, Pia Pascha Bachachma Besaris Chesed Alashana, the famous Pasuk in the last Perek of Mishlei says her, her mouth is wisdom and there's a Torah of Chesed on her tongue. It says, You're telling me that there's a Torah of kindness and a Torah of not kindness because we praise. We praise this aspect of Torah's Chesed, a Torah of kindness, implying that there's also a Torah not of kindness. Yeah, Ela Torah Lishmo Zuhi Torah Shel Chesed, Shaloi Lishmo Zu Torah Shainu Shel Chesed. Torah Lishmo is Chesed and Torah Shaloi Lishmo is not Chesed. It's a big discussion. What is Torah Lishmo? What is doing Torah for its sake? So someone who say, you're not doing it for the reward, but you're doing it to serve Hashem. The Nefesh Achayim, and this is generally the, I would say the Lithuanian approach, is that no, how do you do Torah Lishmo? You learn Torah to understand the Torah. You're not learning the Torah for the brachas that come with it. You're not doing it for these. You learn Torah to understand it. That's learning Torah Lishmo. But if you do it like that, that's a Torah Shel Chesed. Omri Zuhi Zuhi Chesed. No, another explanation is a Torah, if you learn Torah to teach it, that's a Torah of Chesed. But if you learn Torah just to hoard the well, the wisdom, to keep it without intent to teach it, that is not a Torah of Chesed. So you see a few beautiful ideas on the value of Tzedakah, the value of Chesed. An interesting thing, in some aspects Tzedakah is great, in some aspects Chesed is greater, as we've seen. And all, But uh, we see some phenomenal ideas on these concepts of Torah and Chesed, and we'll leave it there for today.